podcast informs listeners that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed solely belong to the host and not necessarily to their employer or any other group of individuals. It is not a research report. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. It is for informational purposes only and should not be construed otherwise. September 7, 2019. Do you have a system? Of course. Number one, um, there's a system for everything. A chartist, his system is to get a certain setup that he is familiar with, enter and exit at a precise time and a target in a clock. That's how disciplined traders are. At the same time, um, an investor, his game plan is before he even buys, he chooses what to buy, meaning he chooses and picks his battles. Whereas maybe a trader, as long as he chooses his setup, that's the important thing. It's not the sector, but it's the setup. Really depends what type of trader, but and then investor, um, he he chooses which um, company rather than what entry. So it's two different methods. Um, an investor is considered someone who has the buying discipline uh, and then a trader has the selling discipline. It's two different methods. If you know that you can never sell with discipline, you better choose the right company so that you never have to face the choice of selling. Of selling. Um, and then make sure that if you're an investor, you don't sell just because it went 20% up. Or if it, if it did, you would only sell half. Make sure that you don't veer away from your plan. Um, an investor's method is really to buy a company to own it and hold it. You're not renting a company. Take note, you are owning a company. That makes you a contrarian just by the fact that you are owning companies. Very rare do people own companies and that's what makes you different and that's what, what makes you get the returns in the first place. In general, if you can hold a company for around three to six years, that should be good enough. But take note, an investor is different from somebody who's just stuck. An investor actually chooses to keep a company, sometimes buying more of a company, because actually the higher prices uh, confirm that this company did well over time. Either even that over time could be just after two quarters or after a quarter. In fact, the true investors, they monitor a company quarter after quarter after quarter. In general, um, in three years' time, there's around four times three or 12 quarters. If that company was great, Every quarter that it did great, it will keep on adding and adding and adding. Take note that this is how a real investor does it. He would still add. Even if it went 50% higher, he will still add. And that's what a real investor is. It's not somebody who will add a company that went down 50%. That's not an investor. Or if it went down 50% and he continues to add, that's called averaging down. That's not somebody that a real investor will do. Bad traders will do that 
bad investors will do that. And that's not the recipe of a real successful trader nor a successful investor. Uh, because a successful investor, the reason why they keep adding on their winners is because there's a real reason why it went new highs. It didn't go new highs just because the market wanted it to be. In fact, great companies will go new highs even before the index, even before the averages. A lot of software names, uh, they went new highs even before the market did. Uh, we've seen actually this happen to Atlassian, to Coupa uh, Software. Roku went new high even before the market. Melly did. Melly went 100% up even before the market. In fact, uh, people ignored that Argentinian crisis. It went down 10%, but a lot of people picked up the dump. Um, I'd say that um, when you have a really good company, the discipline is for the for the invest the investors. Their discipline comes from not selling their winners, even if that winner is already up hundred percent. Seriously, that's what a good investor does. They keep it and they really hold it because um, it's not because they're greedy. It's because the company kept showing that it was meant to be held. So even if it's four times more than their cost, they will keep it because the sales have grown, because the business is growing, and as long as there's a reason to hold it, they will keep it. That's what I've learned, that you should buy great businesses, not great valuation. Great businesses will always be premium. Um, that's the criteria of a good investor, buying great businesses. It's not about getting a company that's cigarette butts. That's not how great investors are. Great investors don't mind paying high. Paying 10 times price to sales is not a problem. A great investor can do that. I would pay 10 times price to sales if the total market opportunity is great and this company is executing well. What company is 10 times price to sales? That's a no. Uh, that's luck. I know it's not cheap. That's why when, you know, when the growth is slowing down, people would sell it because oh, you're not growing as fast as you should. So you don't deserve this 10 times price to sales. I can get clobbered because of the valuation, but it's very hard for me to find a company growing 40% and people are saying, oh, that's low. 40% is low for you. Um, sorry, it's not even 10 times price to sales. I think it's approximately uh, more than, it's about 15 to 20 times price to sales. That's why people are getting scared of the valuation. But for me, if valuation is the only reason why people are scared that the growth is slowing down, that's fine with me. Um, I paid a premium for a great business and it's fine. I've learned that the market would prefer buying great businesses rather than great valuations. Um, I've had my fair share of value traps and value traps really take so long. Um, MPI is a value trap. You have a great valuation. Um, the business is so-so. It's not a great business, but it's a stable cash flow. It took a long time, right? It's probably a year until now MPI is trying to reverse. So it's just, you know, if MPI was worth 9 pesos or 8 pesos, um, even if it was really worth that much, 
because these are just deep values. It takes time for the market to really buy them. Whereas, look at what happened with, um, or maybe because in the Philippines, really hard as well. Uh, a lot of deep value names, right? Uh, buying BMW is essentially just buying great value. Not that it's a great business, because what's so great about having a mall? It's just, okay, it's great. It's a recurring office revenue. There's demand, there's lease. But essentially, uh, it's a traditional business. The only reason why we are buying it because it's just great value. I would argue that in the Philippines, it's very rare for us to get great value. Uh, I mean, great businesses. To me, Jollibee is a great business. And right now, even at 30% discount, some people would say, hey, that's still expensive. But that's the, the wonderful thing about this company. Jollibee never trades cheap, even if it fucks up, even if it makes a mistake on a smash burger loss it's still trading at 20 times multiple. It's very rare for me to find a great business at great valuation. So I just temper my expectations. As long as it's a reasonable price, I just go ahead and get it because great businesses are never cheap. I could never buy a company that is so strong like an Ayala or a Shangri-La at a cheap price. Very rare. It's very rare. So... I know they have great leadership, great historical track record. Uh, you need some sort of uh, really big earthquake or some fire. I mean, we don't wish the bad things to happen. We don't wish Armageddon just so that we could find, just so we can buy great companies at a discount. Notice that when there's a financial crisis, how come the fast things to do is just buy the green companies. Because the everyone will buy Apple, Facebook, Amazon if it's really cheap, right? Um nobody's gonna tinker with like very small companies. But uh right now what I'm seeing is that we are in a market they are saying it's a ten year old bull market, right? So there's fatigue, but at the same time, there's $15 trillion worth of cash, which has nowhere to go. So that cash goes to your established names. That's why they're all-time high. But at the same time, that cash is going to companies that are small, but they have a huge ramp-up. They have a huge runway. You wonder why, right? Um, maybe you're asking yourself, why are software names trading at such expensive valuations? Because software names have 85% gross margin. Some of them are even 90% gross margin. Software names are recurring. Uh, they have really, I would say, recession-proof type of uh, business model. So it's as best. It's as good as a recurring business model. So the reason why they are priced that way is because they're recurring, they're high margin, things that you would always love in any business. So that's why they're expensive. There's a reason why um, software stocks as an industry 
have done 500% overall in the last five years. They've outperformed S&P 500. Why? Because they're the only business model like that. Apart from software stuff, I'd say that one of the best business models to have would be video games, movie streaming. That's why everyone copies Netflix, but it's just that only Disney can be a really good competitor. Even Apple TV, even if it has billions of dollars, they cannot grow and compete with Netflix overnight. Only Disney can. Uh, even uh, AT&T with Time Warner, it's not an easy thing. To me, there's just really three strong names in the streaming war. Everything will be just, they're just going to make money maybe uh, through advertising. Or if they're going to get subscriptions, it will be a very small fan base. So the strong winners on the streaming movement is Disney, um, AT&T, Netflix, Roku. At some point, Netflix is a great business that we can get now at a good valuation. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't miss that opportunity if I could get Netflix at 270, all the way to 220 dollars. That to me is a buy to keep it. Uh, I'm buying companies to keep. I'm not making buy today and then sell tomorrow because it's up 10 percent. Uh, I, I'm not doing that. Um, I have too little of a weight. So if I do buy today, sell tomorrow, uh, it's unless tomorrow it's maybe up 20 percent, then maybe I will. Uh, but rare the money. And and if it's up 20 percent tomorrow, why would I sell it? What, what's the news? Why did it even go 20 percent up? Let's assume I have DocuSign and it's up 20 percent on that earnings day. I wouldn't sell it. I wouldn't sell it. I would just, wow, it's good for me that I got in before earnings. I, I got that something like Pintuoto. I got it, what, 22 on earnings, 26, 130. Next few days, it's 35. What's 35 versus 26? Uh, 30%. I didn't sell it. Why would I sell a business? If you think about it, if you don't think of stocks as prices, you think of stocks as businesses, and they've done well, and people want to pay 20% premium on that day, why would you sell it? You've got yourself a great business. So just hold on to it. I think um, one reason why I really made uh, made a difference with the portfolio was just the fact that I didn't sell. I, I, I learned that I could choose good companies, sometimes great companies. And if I could choose great companies, and if that's my skill set, not trading, then I might as well not trade a single stock. I just keep buying and buying and buying. And if I sell a name, most of the time, I just sell half. Or you just really have a reason to sell it. Like, I have no choice. Uh, restaurant brands is doing a secondary offering. So even if I like restaurant brands, I sold it because they have a secondary offering. Secondary offering is a bad thing fundamentally. Uh, and then I sold because you are trying to dilute your shares, right? Your shareholders. I don't want that to happen. Uh, beyond me, made a dilution. That, that's a sell. Secondary offerings are not good. Plus, it already is reached, it already reached $10 billion market cap, even if 
their sales are just $140 million. No matter if you have partners all in all, you can never grow $10 billion overnight. So at some point, let's assume I have Amazon before, and yet it went up to the moon. I would sell some, but I would buy it back. I mean, I'm not saying that I sell Beyond Meat, I'll never go back in. I would love to go back in. It's just that I would still wait. That's me. I will still wait. Is there a chance that I sold it at $10 billion and then I would have to buy it back at $11 billion? Maybe. But I'll buy Beyond Meat at $11 billion market cap. Maybe when the sales are already hitting maybe at least $500 million, so 20 times price to sales, rather than paying about, right now it's what, 70 times price to sales, 80 times price to sales. <coughs> it's not even trading. It's, uh, it's, 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 you cannot use PE ratio, right? Because there's no earnings, so it's price to sales. And that's wild. And I've been trying to listen to people who are buying innovation and disruptors, even they have a price point. Even they have a metric that at some point, you know, there's still no speed valuations that we have to sell into. Because companies, no matter how great they are, there's a feeling to that potential. There's a market cap that is already way too highly valued, even if the growth runway is so strong. And I'm pretty sure that there are great companies that are not selling that wildly either. So, if a company is too expensive, we could sell. It's like telling me how Masayoshi-san loved so much his Uber and Grab and WeWork and all of these things, but at a certain price, he still sells them, right? He sells the stake because he wants to find little other David, which will become Goliath someday. Because at the end of the day, Uber was trading at what? $100 billion valuation? What? Is it going to go $200 billion valuation? No, right? So every software who bought IPO lost 50% of their money so far. And I think that's the reason why um, people are so scared buying names that Masayoshi-san is selling. Because Masayoshi-san is not only a very good buyer, he's also a very good seller. It's very difficult to be on the other side of Masayoshi-san. You're better off just partnering with him, going long with what he's long, going short with what he's short. Although, um, you, met, you better make sure that um, when he is selling, you have to check whether he's buying it back. <laughs> because, uh, of course, he buys back some names that he sold. If he can, he will try to buy back. <laughs>